Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Home of the GA Hour Football Acca. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f- shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f- houses for f- 10 years. So after Andy Moran attempting to sabotage the first All-Ireland final, um, Chris Barrett, now we have Ger Cafferkey trying to sabotage the replay. <laughs> What's going on? You're not in the final and you're trying to take over All-Ireland final week. <laughs> yeah, look, I think we're still trying to stay in the media there, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Ger has been a, a great soldier for Mayo um, and has been, I think, plagued by injuries the last few years. Um, had a really, really bad hamstring injury, I think, two or three years ago. Um, came back this year, played very, very well in a league match against Cavan. Looked back to his best, um, but had troubles then throughout the year. So I'd imagine that was a, a factor in his decision. But um, no, he's he's a good friend of mine, and he's he's been a phenomenal servant to Mayo football. So I wish him the best. Yeah, no, I think we all wish him the best. And like the last time I spoke to you, you weren't sure who was going to retire. Now we have two lads gone, and who knows? You're dropping like flies here now. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Right, we'll get back to the game here because Daryl Shea had an interesting piece on the Irish Times last week. And he was talking about, he says, this is going to sound very traditional, but Saturday night just isn't right for me with an All-Ireland final. Saturday nights are for league games and club games and qualifiers. Even Super 8's games and All-Ireland semi-finals at a push. But an All-Ireland final should be the main game of the day in the middle of the afternoon. Like, what's your thoughts, both of you? I'll start with you, Chris, on this. I can see where he's coming from, but there's nowhere else to put it. And I don't know, there's something a little bit different about an All-Ireland final on a Saturday evening as well. Yeah, um, to be honest, it wouldn't bother me in the slightest. I think I, I like Saturday night games. Um, and, you know, to say that it's been pushed down the pecking order, it'll be a full house in Crow Park for an All-Ireland final. I don't think the setting or the timing of it will come into the players' minds. I think the one difference it will cause is, I guess, the the run-up to the match. Um, it's that it's a later, long wait. It's the later game. Yeah. 
And generally anything after three or four o'clock, there can be a bit of a lag, you know, up to three or four. You can kind of fit in your, your meals, you can get an extra snooze in maybe. But when you're getting past the four or five o'clock mark, there is a bit of a drag there. So that'll have to be factored in. But um, no, I, I don't think it's it's going to come into the minds of the players at all. Like, I mean, you know, they get an extra day off for their for their celebrations or commiserations, whatever it is. Like, so it's um, But it's, I suppose when you're so used to a four o'clock kickoff and you have your routine set down, it probably is a little bit difficult, like you say, those extra two hours. Is everything pushed? I'm sure you won't you won't be able to sleep two hours more in the morning because you'd be just so nervous. So like your your routine does change a little bit, I suppose. Yeah, well, I guess it's usually between a, a two and a four o'clock. So it's not as if it's, you know, rigid to the four either. You know, you're, you're not you're not set in stone. But I think like it'll just mean maybe they push out breakfast an extra half an hour in the morning. You obviously don't let lads sleep in too early because, or too late because you try and get the, the block meals in. Um but it's just, it's an extra hour to fill at some stage during the day. Yeah. They'll be able to do it. Like you'll probably maybe go back to bed at, you know, one o'clock or 12 o'clock after your meal or before your meal. But um, go for a the, walk, do something. Exactly. Just kind of distract yourself. Darrow Shea's given out about the floodlights as well, um, Conan. He says, who, a, anyone who ever kicked a ball dreamed of playing in an all Ireland final. And when they did, the floodlights weren't on. So he's speaking on behalf of anyone who's ever <laughs> dreamed about playing in an all Ireland. Floodlights are for winter football. They're for fitting a game in when it's getting tight. Um, this is the last game of the GA summer. Surely to God, it's not much to ask. You do the players the courtesy of not making them feel like they're inconvenienced. I don't know. Like, he's over the top on this altogether. I would say Saturday night game, like Chris says, doesn't enter the players' heads. And I'd say an extra week will be more torturous than a Saturday night game. You know, because the women's final is on the Sunday. Yeah, and then the club players will be whinging about an extra week as well. Oh, like, yeah. There's no other place. I remember the, the Mayo Dublin replay. I think that was in uh, October, the 1st of October, maybe. Oh, that was a long, yeah. But mm. it was like red sky, floodlights, and it actually added to the occasion. I thought it just it felt a bit more special. If, if I can, like, all our finals don't need to feel more special, but I just thought the setting of it was very nice. And yeah. just because of that sort of fallen night and the, the floodlights just sort of added to it. Yeah, it is a traditional, it's a traditional opinion. And it's a little bit like if you think like that, then there'll never be any Saturday night mm-hmm. games. Like it's the, that's the case in every other sport. He does also talk about experience and he talks about Kerry had 15 different players, including subs, playing in their first All-Ireland final. They know now that it's the same pitch, the same goalpost, the same size ball, same everything as it's always been. The mystique around it has gone. Um, me and Conan have never played in an All-Ireland senior final I obviously played in a minor final which was a huge which was a huge thing Did you know that Chris? But the mystique around it 13 was your first final right so like I mean how did getting over that final help you for the next one if you know what I mean like this experience obviously in every kind of profession or walk of life experience is important Yeah um, I think that'll probably work for both teams Um you know, Kerry did have a lot of new guys there, but even Dublin were bringing on, you know, Paddy Small came on um, his first final, I think, as well. So, you know, and he, I think he came on and he looked a bit, I remember watching the first ball he was going for, he looked to be going through quarter pace and you can't do anything through quarter pace in all Ireland final. But um, it certainly helps. Like the occasion is, it's huge. It's something you look forward to. And I think as a player at that level, if that's going to spook you, then you're not in the right place anyway. But um even for the likes of maybe David Clifford now as well, I thought he looked, not that he looked nervous, but I think I get the sense that he's coming into that game thinking I'm going to be the a man of, here. Yeah, a lot of expectation and on him too. Yeah, like and it. I think probably he put it on his own shoulders as well, like he's a very talented player, but looking at some of the shots he took in the first few minutes, they were slightly rushed compared to what you would expect to see from him. Um, and I think even for him, it's like, okay, well, that's what it's going to be like now. It's, I don't have to shoot within a millisecond of getting the ball. I can calm down a little bit, so... You know, I think it works. It works for both sides, but definitely, 
Um, Probably know. Kerry, but with, with having more of them. You Correct, know? yeah. But I think it, another thing a lot of people say is that when you're young, you just go and play the game. When you're older, you overthink it and you overanalyze it and you're actually weirdly a bit more nervous when you're older than you were when you were younger. Do you know what I mean? Or is that, like, it depends on the person, I suppose. I think it completely depends on the person. I think, you know, Killian Spillane came on and obviously didn't overthink anything. Um, all he was thinking about was goal when he got that ball and put it in the back of the net in the back of the net but it just comes down to, to personal preferences you know you might have older guys that have been you know they've, they've gone through all Ireland finals and maybe, maybe had bad experiences or you could have older guys that have been in all Ireland finals and have had great experiences they can pull on so I think it's very much down to the individual but sometimes that lack of fear as for want of a better word for a younger guy that doesn't really know you know what it's all about can help but also you know the lack of understanding of the actual intensity of the game can go against them. So it's it's kind of like a... Right, break. right. And that's the thing. But we were saying the last uh, day, Conan, is the mystique around Dublin. Are they that much better than us? We're one to five. Now they realise that they're just, you know, another team and they can compete with them. I think psychologically, the younger Kerry players, I think that rather than experience, I think the mystique around Dublin being some sort of superpower might be gone for them. Yeah, like physically, they know they can stick with them for 70 minutes. Tactically, they know they can be set up smart enough. We Like, how long did we talk about kickouts for? And Kerry did very well, like on both ends, you know, so yeah. they know that they can get around that. And they know, like, they were five points down. Like, you know, we might have been talking about them being a point ahead. and Five points down twice. Yeah, five points down twice. We're one time with, like, 56 minutes on the clock. They come back from that in an All-Ireland final against Dublin, the most sort of risk-averse team that we've ever seen. Like, you know, some, some outfit that would normally just put that game to bed from that position. Kerry came back from that. Yeah. They know now that they can do that. It'll give them a lot of confidence. There's no doubt about that. Another thing we talked about the last day and we're speculating on this, Chris, was Stephen Rochford. He was on the AIB GA podcast and he was talking about, I remember in 2016, he was talking about the videos and uh, getting home from the match and stuff. And he says, I remember in 2016, they were on top of it while we were still traveling. It took us until Tuesday or Wednesday before we got going. Dublin will recalibrate very, very quickly based on geography. Um, We were wondering with the technology and everything now that all the analysis would be being done as you're traveling home on the bus. Or in 2016, did you stay in the hotel in Dublin or were all those plans scrapped and you went back home that night? Or how did you deal with the draw? We stayed in Dublin. Uh, stayed, stayed in, in the Dublin hotel that night, and and the guys travelled back on the Monday. And what about the banquet that would have been planned? Was that had, or was that like? It was had, yeah, it was had. Um, so we made a we made an appearance. Um, I guess you have you know you have fifteen hundred people there too that still yeah. turned up and still supporting you. And if if they're turning up, you know you gotta you gotta turn up at least and you know spend an hour there and then off to bed. But um, you know it's it's a two week turnaround at the end of the day. I I. I wouldn't be making a whole lot of, you know, Dublin being able to do their video analysis on Sunday evening rather than Monday morning or whenever it gets done because you're not going to discuss it until Wednesday night of training anyway. Um, and a lot of the video analysis is done at that point. I mean, really, it's, you know, it, it's pinpointing certain things within, within the game that you'll probably see visually anyway. Like the coaches probably know, you know, Jim Gavin and Peter Keane probably know, you know, a couple of days afterwards what tweaks they're going to make, what worked, what didn't work. So um, I think... You know, it, obviously it would have been ideal if we were living in Dublin and could yeah. crack back into it. But if I was to think one disadvantage was like if, you know, Dublin are kind of quite close together. If Jim Gavin wants to pull a kind of a, you know, an emergency meeting and um, just to discuss maybe walk through kickouts or do something, you know, in your tracksuits for an hour or some evening, then he can pull them all together and they're, you know, within an hour and then they're back in bed by 10 o'clock. But um, 
I don't think the, the video analysis thing is, is, is yeah, huge. I, well, that's what we were saying the last time. We didn't think it was going to be all that big. But what else about a draw? Like, I mean, I presume you've booked holidays from work. Now you have to go back into work on the Monday or Tuesday morning and say, here, I'm back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can I actually Tuesday. have that holiday in two weeks' time now exactly, <laughs> that you've yeah. already got cover for? Yeah. That's, where the, that's where the Saturday night game helps, actually. You pull back a day and you leave. But um, yeah, it just lads will just adapt to it. It has to be done. And I think... Um, you know, generally your employers at this stage know that you're, you know, it's a fairly big deal. So there's not going to be any problem there. But yeah, they'll see the phone call coming on the Monday morning. Yeah, coming in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or they mightn't, they mightn't be in themselves. They might be following you down on the bus. But, um, you know, replays are, they're a strange beast. I guess you're coming off the field and you're thinking, OK, another two weeks here. Like it's, it's a little bit of, I don't know, purgatory in a sense. Yeah. Um, and the first week, especially afterwards, you're like, come on, this needs to get over. But by the time of the second week, I think this week, it'll kind of be back into normal pre-match, week of the match kind of preparation. You're kind of forgotten about the replay. But um, yeah, it does, like, especially the night afterwards and the Monday, you're kind of thinking, you know, why don't we just play extra time or something like that? Yeah. But, does uh, the pressure ramp up a little bit more for the replay than it did for the first game or would it be just kind of similar enough? I think it's similar. Again, it depends on it depends on the player and maybe it depends on how they'd get on the first day. Obviously, you might yeah, have guys, true. as I said, that were under pressure the last day. Um, that have a point to prove um, and they might be thinking a little bit more about it than the guy that played well or you know Killian Spillane that came on he's probably he's probably looking forward to it and you know will I get a chance in the team and, and other guys that played well and then you've maybe you know the likes of Johnny Cooper who you know got the right card he's He's really intent on, on making up for that. So um, it, it's very individual, I think. Yeah, no, it is the individual. Just mentioning Johnny Cooper, I was reading this stat here and it's Dublin discipline and Cooper's uh, red card was the fifth successive All-Ireland final where they've had a player either black carded or red carded. James McCarthy got a black in 16. Cooper got a black in 16. John Small has been sent off in 17 and 18. And now Cooper sent out. It's not something I associated with Dublin in that period as being in ill-discipline, but that's a, a, a decent enough rap sheet for all Ireland finals, isn't it? Yeah, and, and John Small was sort of treading the line early on again. Small was he? in trouble, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Again, it sort of comes down to, like, th- that was just Cooper marking David Clifford and Clifford getting the better of him a little bit, you know, so I don't think it was anything that he went out and thought... I'll sort of do this boy over and give him a lesson or anything like that. Yeah. It just sort of came into it. Yeah, it's interesting stats and you put it together, but I suppose if you look through them all, they're probably all a little bit... Yeah. There's an excuse for yeah. all of them, maybe. Yeah, I think I think the referee has a huge bearing as well. Um, and I think, because David Goff, you know, I'd even know David Goff is a guy that likes to keep an eye down the field. Um, when, yeah. do, when we say the attacking team are, are coming forward, he will keep an eye to see if there's a bit of pulling going on his umpires are very, very in on the game. Like they will be talking to you and they'll be talking to him if there's a bit of pulling going on. So I think that that had a huge factor. Um, the umpires will actually be saying, watch lads, you know. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. yeah, so there, and I think, you know, David is, he and he will say before matches sometimes too, just keep an eye on that, guys. I will be watching out for it. So, you know. And that's fair enough. Like no, that, that is fair enough. But, yeah, wouldn't but that surprise even more about Johnny Cooper because he's a smart fella, you know, to be wrestling with him as much as he was, knowing it was goth. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, true, true. I guess he, that's, that, that, that'll all come into his thought process this week. Um, it's... Look at it, you have to try and find find the line. Like I think, you know, Clifford got a few points off or a few shots off quite early. Um, you know, and even if they don't go over as a defender, you're kinda of thinking, Ugh, you know, that was that was out of my hands. I wasn't impacting there, like that could have easily gone over. Like so I'd say maybe that came into his mind, um, and I put a little bit of pressure on him. So, um 
it'll be interesting to see what, what happens this weekend yeah no it definitely will so Joe Brawley got the bullet from the RT panel so Stephen Rochford is going to replace him um, I don't think this is a huge surprise to too many people like I mean we know that Declan McBennett is very set against personal attacks um, he said that on this show he said uh, personal attack is something that's uh, neither information based or informed opinion and I suppose Joe saying that David Goff had been influenced by Kerry media when really only him Fitzmaurice and Aidan O'Mahony had, had said anything the Kerry camp had completely you know welcomed the decision he was a dead man walking then really after that and we talked about the farce halftime was and everything so this isn't this isn't a big surprise right? Yeah and he's basically yeah, questioning Goff's integrity there when he when he's saying something like that is suggesting that Goff is making a decision based on external factors when Goff is just making the right decision as yeah, we all saw right like, yeah, and that's... making it objectively from from what he's seeing so it's a shame like I actually remember like thinking a couple of years back maybe three thinking Joe Brawley's probably one of the best pundits out there because when he shuts up and actually just analyses a game but that's very rare good, and it is very rare <laughs> and it got more and more rare as, yeah. as the seasons went by and I'd say he's probably somebody you can't talk to that much. I've never, I've never worked with him, but I'd imagine if Declan <laughs> McBen is trying to slap him on the wrist, I, I don't imagine Joe takes him on board that often. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, it, it had. I think Joe has made the mistake, Chris, of thinking that he is the attraction rather than the game. And you hear some people saying, "Oh, well, Joe's box office." Like, I mean. The all Ireland final is box office. Johnny Cooper getting sent off is box office. David Clifford is box office. Joe Brawley mm. is not box office. Like anyone that says Joe Brawley's box office, what are you talking about? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah, um, I think, Conan, you probably hit the nail on the head there. I think they've kind of maybe gone away from the actual analysis a little bit. And, and you know, sometimes it feels like it's the guys having the crack in, in the pub and they want yeah. to talk about, you know, their opinions maybe rather than what's actually happening in front of the game. And, and you know, sometimes get carried away and say stuff that's inflammatory rather than actually analysing it. Um, you know, I, I, even at the at the end of the game, I remember, I think they were, went five, ten minutes maybe of an analysis without even mentioning the red card. And I was like, I mean, you know, the, Joe was praising Pat Spillane for, for his nephew who did brilliantly, but no one here has spoken about the, the elephant in the room, which that they played with 14 men. Um, and that seems to have been forgotten about. So... Um, I think it was obviously made because of the Goff, um, the Goff uh, comments. But you know, I think he he'll, he'll probably learn from that. You can't you can't question a guy like that. He's all, he's the ref of the All Ireland final. He's done brilliantly in the past. Yeah, and um, he had and a to, great game in the All Ireland yeah, final. No, I think I think he I think he had a, a, an excellent game. I think it was tough tough decisions to make, um, and I think he made all the right decisions. To be honest, I think there was a couple of borderline ones, but that's always going to be to the behest of the ref. Whether you know those fifty fifties decide they're going to go one way or the other. And I don't think he made too many, you know, calls that you would you would look back on and say he was definitely wrong there. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it's very ballsy of RT, you have to say, like because obviously he does bring in. It doesn't bring in numbers because people are watching it anyway, but he brings in engagement, interaction, gets people talking. You know, even his columns get the country talking. A lot of the time, it's just because it's controversial or he's slagging off Mayo unnecessarily or whatever else, but. Uh, every time I think of Joe's analysis or Joe's punditry, I always think of my next door neighbours, this old fella who just loves him. And I, I sometimes think that Joe has been guilty of maybe thinking that's his only audience, like somebody who will retell a story or uh, a bit of slagging that he told on air. Like, you know, and, and as Chris says, that sort of talk in the pub, like I'm sitting around the bar still talking to the old men and just having a bit of crack. 
you know, yeah. there's like a million people tuning in to watch this. And but it, that's the thing. I don't. I wouldn't mind him too much during an Ulster Championship match where there's not much to talk about. You know, in the last five yeah. years, when it's a boring game, he might liven it up a little bit. There's not too many talking points out of it because the analysis got very samey. Right, well, they're passing around the screen and now they're looking for a, yeah. a off the shoulder run and they're breaking through. <laughs> I don't mind him in that. This is a bloody All Ireland final. I don't need Joe to be the star attraction in All Ireland final. This is too important. What happened in the first half for him to be t- making it all about him. Himself. But like I mean he wrote I'd say he's probably I'd say he definitely knows he's put out a joint about this because he wrote a piece in the Independent apologising to David Goff so he maybe he saw the writing was on the wall that he was getting the bullet the talk is now that he's gone for good off RT so the Irish News are reporting this and the Sun is reporting this and they're saying it's not just because the source close to the Sun is saying it's not just because of the Goff comments it's been coming a long time but he needed David, in his piece in The Independent, he needed David Goff to explain to him why it was a penalty with the Johnny Cooper Clifford thing. And David Goff explained to him exactly what we were saying last Monday, which was obvious. There wasn't much pulling, but the time he pulled him disorientated David Clifford and Cluxton was able to come out and catch it. Do you know what I mean? It, even though you're in the cornerbacks union, Chris, mm. are you like, I mean, do you know what I mean? Does it need a referee to point out to a, a pundit, a, t- a pundit of 20 years, that yes, it was minimal enough contact, but he pulled him right at the moment David was actually trying to, you know, catch the ball. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I am in the, I'm in the cornerback fraternity <laughs> here and I think, you know, a little bit of contact isn't, um, it's all part of the game. But again, I'll go back to my point. If it's a 50-50 call, then it's it's up to the discretion of the ref. And, you know, one person can look at that and say it was a penalty. Another person might look and say, well, you could have given him benefit of the doubt. Both of them were at it. But, there's no major controversy there in my eyes because he made the call based on his own views and if it went either way I think there's no controversy you know if there was no penalty given you can kind of shake it off and say well fair enough you know it's all Ireland final he's probably made the decision to let a bit more contact happen just to let the flow of the game or he's he's gone by the letter of the law which he has and mm-hmm. he's, he has that discretion to do that I don't know if I'd get rid of him permanently, just right now. Like, you know, maybe let him maybe try and learn his lesson from this final, missing out on the big day. I'd say he's had a good few slaps on the wrist in there. Yeah, like like this could be the final straw. That's what I would, assume. Like, yeah. I'm just wondering, is he better than some of the other opponents that, that they have at the minute? Do you know, so like, do you want to just get rid of Ronaldo out of your team, and, you know, yeah. or just keep him he's, playing somewhere this, else? This is the thing, like Stephen Rochford for an all Ireland final, I would have him a hundred times over Brawley because like you don't need drama. The, the drama's happened. Yeah. It's an all Ireland final. I'll repeat myself. I remember for years, Dunphy, Giles and Brady in RT, they were kind of box office where you'd actually be tuning in to see what they say. There'd be a bit of drama. Mm-hmm. Dunphy be going off. But then you remember they're like, a lot of the time when you'd be tuning in, they'd be running the mill Champions League games. Yeah. Do you know, it's like that Ulster final where you might want Brawley to liven up. You know, you want them then to be entertaining. But if Dunphy, Giles and Brady, if Ireland were in a World Cup quarter final and they're having a big debate about who, who's a world-class player, you'd be like, lad, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a yeah, time yeah. and a place to be a little yeah. bit entertaining, I think. And maybe Brawley has lost sight of that. That's it. Maybe like that's up to RTE to use him better than, like, you know, should they just use him at that time and place when they can just deploy him and sort of... Put a bit of stick about, as they said to you that time. Yeah, like, for Ulster know. matches. Yeah, yeah, but not for the All in the Final <laughs> when there has been so much happening, not only in the first half, but throughout the whole game. Exactly. For, for Leinster games. Exactly. Yeah. We'll move on. Oh, <laughs> quickly, before we move on, there is a protest outside Croke Park. There's a Dublin a group of Dublin supporters protesting outside Croke Park today to get Joe Brawley reinstated onto the <laughs> RT panel. So someone needs to go down there, tell them to move 
they're in the wrong place. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Croke Park. This is a RT uh, decision <laughs> and you're in the wrong place. And it, there's just, uh, just the irony of Joe's love for Dublin is what ended his. <laughs> it's what ended yeah. it all for him in the end. Dublin fans don't like travelling. <laughs> They're going to Crook Park. It's <laughs> too far. Conan, before we get into some analysis with the match, we're thanking GEA Go for giving us two tickets to give away for the All Ireland final. Yeah, two Upper Hoganstein tickets for Saturday night's game. Um, there's a competition or just a retweet and follow thing on the GAR account. So go get it there, retweet it, follow. Um, and there's also going to be five passes for a GAA Go. Um, membership to watch the All Ireland final, which would normally be twenty quid. So if you're outside of Ireland, I think 170 people tuned in outside of Ireland for the last game. So 170, 170, sorry, 170 countries. All oh, right, 170 yeah. people. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. How is this commercially viable? <laughs> yeah. 170 people. Uh, people from 170 countries out of 195 <laughs> really? in the world. Yeah. So right. like obviously it's it's worldwide, and there's it's a lot of people yeah. here. Phenomenal. Who are tuning in for it. So we're going to give away five passes for that as well. That will be on the Sports Joe Twitter account. Okay. Um, keep an eye out for it. Brilliant stuff. So thanks very much to Diego for that. We'll be back and we'll talk about the match. I work as a policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out. And they're roaring at me, hey, Toffrey, you free state bastard. (laughs) 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 And and, and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. (laughs) All right, so... Jim Gavin in 2016 rang in the changes against G. Chris. He brought in Mick Fitzsimons, who got man of the match. He brought in Paddy Andrews and brought in Paul Mannion. That was for Michael Darren McCauley, who could be sacrificed again this year uh, for Bernard Brogan and for Davy Byrne. Do you see him making changes? The talk is that uh, Merchant could come in with James McCarthy going to midfield or Jack McCaffrey going to midfield and John Small going centre-back on Sean O'Shea. What, do you, how do you see both teams, you know, learning from the first day and potentially making changes? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think Dublin will probably make... Uh, I, I can't see them making too many changes. I do think that could possibly be the only one. I don't think they'll make any changes in their forward line. Um, is Keno Sullivan fit? Does anyone don't know? think so. No. Okay. No. Well, he was the one player that I would think. Oh, well, he's the he one as well. Yeah. That he was going, he would have been put back. But um, yeah, I think Sean O'Shea, particularly in the second half, um, really stood up there. Um, and I think they do miss maybe McCarthy around the middle. You know, he's he's a luxury they'd like to have on on the half back line, but also in midfield. So I wouldn't be surprised if if that happened. Um, will it have a huge bearing on the game? Not sure. You know, I'm not sure it'll have a huge a huge impact. I think pushing McCarthy up. You know, might um, might suit Dublin better, but um, well, it definitely suit Dublin better. And then you have to question how long will he last up there because they seem to detail him to mark uh, Tommy Walsh. So That's now, thing, you know, maybe Jack McCaffrey. Some people are saying to midfield, it's hard to know. One thing I would say that if John Small goes in and Sean O'Shea, that makes sense to me. If James McCarthy moves out. But I would worry about Merchant on Stephen O'Brien. He's Merchant's tiny. Stephen O'Brien's a bull, mm. and he's taking you on every time. And I could see him just pushing him out I, if Stephen, if I was Stephen O'Brien and Merchant was marking me I wouldn't drift all over the field I'd hold 
the half forward line and I'd get it in dangerous areas and sure Stephen O'Brien only knows one way to play yeah and it's one of the things that Jim Gavin surely would be happy about after the last game that Stephen O'Brien was kept yeah, because John, John Small is good at that. Yeah, like, and you know, Brian would have been a big headache for them coming into it. The Davy Byrne thing is interesting because obviously he was left free a lot in the last game. So I wonder should Philly McMahon come in there because he can play some ball, he can mark if he has to, and if Tommy Walsh comes on, then that rids him of that problem of trying to shift James McCarthy back to mark Tommy Walsh. Yeah. So you'd have Philly McMahon there if Walsh starts, great, put him on him. And if he doesn't start, then he can be the free man. He can carry the ball up the pitch or whatever. Yeah, I think that's it. If James McCarthy goes to midfield, it's too much disruption then to have to take him out of there and put him back full back. Whereas, like you say, if it's, you know, Philly McMahon starts, he marked Aidan O'Shea when he used to play him full forward and he's a big, strong fella, Philly. Although he's gone completely out of favour, so I don't really know what to think of that. I do think Johnny Cooper potentially will be the sweeper this time. I think they'll take him out of the firing line. What do you think? If I were Johnny Cooper, I'd probably go, be going back to Jim Gavin and saying, put me back in again, coach. Um, on Clifford? On Clifford, he yeah. He won't do it, though. Jeez, he got a terrible roasting. I'm not sure. Um, I think they might start with him again. I think he probably, you know, Johnny Cooper has been probably one of his most trusted guys. Like, even when he's been injured, he's brought him straight back in. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Johnny Cooper was put straight back in on Clifford. To Even to though Fitzsimons did very well, did much better on Clifford. Yeah, I think Fitzsimons is also a guy you have to watch out for. Yeah. Um, I think Davy Byrne did well the last day. I'd be surprised if he's if he's dropped out of the team. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought he did well. I was just wondering, like, he didn't can, play can he get more out of that position? Yeah, he didn't play this... Davy Byrne was kind of left free a lot of the time and mm-hmm. I don't think he's able to, I don't think he's very good at that role you know like I mean because of the way Kerry reshuffled Paul Murphy was left a bit free but you never saw Davy Byrne covering Clifford Yeah, he was floating around you know not really I don't know I think that obviously they missed Keen O'Sullivan which we know right well he would know how to deal with that situation an awful lot better Yeah and I think the other thing with Keen O'Sullivan anytime Anytime Philly was deployed on Aidan O'Shea, I remember Keno Sullivan was within a, a double up, yeah. of it. So, um, like he was always very good at knowing when to drop off his main man to actually cover in behind. So, um, it'll be yeah the Tommy Walsh question. It, it will have to come in. I don't think he'll start on the mm-hmm. opposite side, but definitely someone will need to be detailed to mark him when he comes in. But um, yeah, who that is now is 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 up to up to Peter Keane. Yeah, and that that's the big thing as well. We said this before the first game that Philly and Keane were the two men that were his go-to men to mark Aidan O'Shea, and they're not there anymore. Like you know, so it wasn't rocket science to know Tommy Walsh was going to cause a lot of problems. And the idea that James McCarthy, just because he's their biggest back, who's a natural halfback or midfielder, suddenly can go in full back and be able to mark a dan- like it was the ball from uh, uh, David Moore and Tommy yeah. Walsh. James McCarthy was at sea for that mm. you know like I mean why just because you're big does it like Philly McMahon's not big and he would have better instincts of how to you know mm. lean his body into Tommy Walsh and yeah just because you're big yeah doesn't mean you can play in the fullback line which is a specialised position anyway I remember thinking this when Aidan O'Shea went back to Mark Kieran Donaghy and it worked because Kerry didn't like use Kieran Donaghy any other way like they didn't try to find that ball in front of him or wait for Donaghy to make a run they just pepper ball on top and O'Shea was like delighted about that so Peter Keane could be thinking if we play Walsh from the start which I don't think he will they could get a bit of joy out of it it'll disrupt Dublin and Walsh is like well capable of winning other types of ball than just hoofed ball in on top of him you know, and it's not yeah. like David Moore hoofing the ball either. He's playing these ping passes. Yeah, no, they were good passes. So what do you see the matchups on the Kerry side? Like, I mean, they worked so well. 
Uh, Morley did brilliantly on Mannion and we didn't expect that ma- well on this show we didn't expect that match up um, and Thomas Sullivan did very well on Con. you can't imagine that changing sometimes, sometimes it's a weird one whereas Dublin might make a few changes Kerry might be like we did okay and there's a danger in that you know we did well there's a kind of maybe a danger of congratulating yourself for doing well and not being on that same edge yeah um, on the Kerry side I think yeah I think Morley did very well on Mannion that'll definitely stay Um O'Sullivan did well on on Carlo Canahan, but you know Conor Canahan, Conor Canahan had a huge impact on the game. I think he scored a point, but I think he got maybe four of Dean Rock's frees. And you could see that anytime he got the ball, oh, he, he was drawing. Yeah. He looked dangerous first of all, and he was drawing two or three defenders around him. I think you know there was once there was it in the first. I think it was in the first half. Maybe he was he got away from Thomas Sullivan, and I think it was maybe. Um, I think it was one of the other carry backs that was on him and he went around them and had the shot at goal those pulled back. Oh, he went by three to three, yeah, nearly three exactly. of them. Definitely. So they will need to keep an eye on him. Um, the interesting thing in my mind is how they're going to deal with Jack McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, I think he had a huge impact on the game the last day and, you know, it was probably Gavin White, I think, was it, that was detailed to... He was indeed. This is the funny thing. This is what everybody thought. Gavin White will do a Paddy Durkin on Jack McCaffrey. So Gavin White lines up against Jack McCaffrey and he doesn't man-mark him at all. Mm. He plays his own game and yeah. drop, dropped off Jack McCaffrey. Like it seemed like the most strangest thing ever that a natural halfback is playing on him and instead of man-marking him like Paddy, which worked so well and completely negated Jack McCaffrey, he dropped off him, which mm. is what Jack McCaffrey loves. Now he can get ahead of steam, get a, a, a run going and now you're not stopping him when he's at full speed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think Paddy Durkin is... Like Paddy Durkin is one of the best defenders in, in Ireland, in my yeah. opinion, and has the speed that can stay with Jack McCaffrey. So I think, you know, that's that's a different conversation, I think. But um Well he gave the blueprint though. That's his Yeah, the he most, gave the blueprint. Yeah. Like I thinking about it, I would nearly I nearly look at maybe moving Paul Murphy up. Um if I was if I was in Peter Keane's shoes, I'd look at that because Paul he's an excellent defender, he's a great head of him. You know, you don't actually need the pace you know, it'll be ideal. But sometimes if you're if you're that smart, you can kind of take that two or three yards of space and you just you're just you're just clued into when he might make the runs. Yeah. And the last day it just didn't seem like anyone was actually keeping an eye on him and he seemed to have the run of it. But uh I think the matchups in general I think went well for Kerry. I think they will pretty much stay with it. I think outside of McCaffrey they yeah, went Crowley well. Crowley did well on Crow- um, Kenny, Kenny yeah. as well. You know, the Howard and Scully are never really man marked. They do drop back, so you kinda have to mm. let them Howard did very well. He's another guy that yeah. needs to take. Adrian Spillane started on him instead of midfield. Jack Barry went to midfield, yeah. Adrian Spillane marked Howard. And that worked fairly well as well. But then he kinda lost sight of him a little bit. Or Howard went back wing back in the second half and that matchup kind of disappeared. Yeah. Is that the so Spillane and White are obviously in the team Kerry are going to play four forwards and, and they want that to try and win the game I think to mark Jack McCaffrey you're going to have to take one of those forwards away and Kerry don't want to do that and rightly so because they need Adrian Spillane and Gavin White dropping back to have those extra numbers to cover Con O'Callaghan yeah. and it's not possible they, like, to keep an eye on Fenton Kilkenny Mannion O'Callaghan and McCaffrey one of them's going to have a good game so I wonder is Peter Keane thinking We'll just keep it tight at the back and hope Jack McCaffrey doesn't score one three. I think it could score more, but they, maybe they'll think he won't score that many yeah. again. Jack practically played as a wing forward. You know what I mean? You just can't do it. He scored one three. They have to yeah, fix that. But are they worried that if we push somebody up and we lose an extra defender, then Khan and Mannion can win the game in twelve minutes? Like you know, they, they could do more damage than McCaffrey could yeah. for the whole game. Yeah. No, I take your point. I take your point. But it, it'll be interesting to see what to do. Yeah. Personally, I would do what Mayo did and put Paddy Durkin on him and just track all his. Runs and frustrate him, 
And I think if you've got, if you're dropping back Adrian Spillane, you have Paul Murphy freeing up to be sweeper. Actually, Paul Murphy isn't the best sweeper in the world. He's played sweeper against you as well, Chris, and you've had no problem bypassing him because, let's be honest, diagonal balls, which most top teams are really good at, overtaking the sweeper now anyways and by the time he gets across the double up isn't as easy to do you know it's not I don't think it's as straightforward anymore to be a sweeper No it's not it's a tough position to play you kind of need to you need to have a few games there and you know you'd be playing there all year to kind of know when to push when to when to drop when to press Just going back to your point Conan on the, the forwards like I, I would nearly be of the opposite view I think Kerry need to be a bit braver and maybe maybe drop out a Spillane or, or a White and, and bring a kind of a threat on the half-forward line. Because yeah. I thought, in particular, when they went down to 40, or when they were when Dublin went down to 14 men, coming out in the second half, I was hoping to see a kind of a, you know, Kerry were pressing on, they were keeping men high up the pitch. But there was a turnover, I think, very quickly in the second half. Um, I think Kerry turned it over in their own half-back line, possibly, and they started to break. And there just seemed to be no one in the half-forward line. I think Clifford was maybe up on my own, and I was thinking, these guys are up a man here. Why aren't they yeah. changing their mindset? Like, it's, it's uh, a man up isn't just a free man. You need to kind of change the mindset to go along with that. So I think the key to beating Dublin is pushing up on them and being in their face. And I think if you, if you go with two, you know, wing forwards that are dropping back and then possibly another one that's dropping back, you're just, you're just you're, I think you're feeding into what they want to happen. So that's kind of my suggestion. You maybe put Paul Murphy has played uh, centre forward before. Yeah. So he could possibly perform a dual role where he could actually be told, okay, well, look at run the half forward line there a little bit. Let's be an outlet, um, but also keep an eye on Jack McCaffrey. So I think it could be something they'll think of. But definitely, you know, they need four. They need the O'Brien, Clifford, um, Ganey, Sean O'Shea, and maybe another one in there to to occupy the Dublin backs, because the last thing you want to see Kerry doing is dropping back. And not having that outlet on the half forward line when they do turn over the wall. Well, they have it. turned it over. Um, you know they have the physicality, they have the tacklers to actually t- turn Dublin over. But it's it's having the the guys up mm. and the confidence um, to actually leave them up there and not follow everyone back. Yeah. Like they did that. They did that is when they got good ball in their half forward line, they looked incredibly dangerous because Clifford stayed inside on his own. Gini drifted out a little bit. And when they could get that quality ball, Stephen O'Brien get it, lay it off. Now you're giving good quality ball into Clifford. They looked incredibly dangerous. Like, I mean, in the first half, we were saying on the Monday, like they could have been two, six to four points up if they took their chances. The penalty, Gini's miss off the line, Clifford's two wides. They were doing really, really well. Yeah, they were doing really, really well. I don't want to come back to Chris's point, but like that's probably a fair, a very good, valid point because what Paddy Durkin did was he put Jack McCaffrey on the back foot as well. He wasn't just marking him. It made him worry about going the other way. Whereas you were like incestuous the other day thinking Jack McCaffrey was left free. Jack McCaffrey was left free in an All-Ireland final. You know, whereas like Durkin gave him a headache that he had to sort of pick him up and worry about him. Kerry got a lot of things right and... Like, it's just whether or not they can do it again. I think they can because they've got the Walsh option. They might bring him in earlier and they have Stephen O'Brien. I think, is he one of these guys will be thinking, I need to have a better game? And obviously he's had a great season, so he has it in him, you know, and then it's just getting more out of Clifford, which they will too. Yeah. What did you make of the last 12 minutes, uh, Chris, when Kerry went to point up? Um, they couldn't really hold on to the ball. Like, what's that like against Dublin? We thought maybe the five in a row would weigh heavily on Dublin. It, it didn't. It almost there. They could see it slipping away from them, and it totally turned a screw. Mm-hmm. And Kerry just couldn't get it. Even though they had an extra man, they couldn't really get it past the halfway line for a full twelve minutes. 
Yeah, it was um, it was interesting to watch it when you were like you kind of forgot that there was the fourteen against fifteen, um, and even for kickouts. And this even was before I think they went to point down Dublin. Like they did have three men in the full forward line. They were still pressing kickouts. So you're thinking, yeah. okay, there's a free man here somewhere, but. Um, I think that was in stark contrast to, to Kerry with the man up. They were a little bit tentative, a little bit afraid, whereas Dublin with the 14 men were still weren't afraid to push up and put pressure on. And they got very key. They got, they got key turnovers there off. I think it was McMenamin, maybe Connolly. David Moore and David uh, Moore. And, yeah. and Jack McCaffrey got really key turnovers. So, um, But what's it like under that? Like, cause the tension of that final was a little bit like the tension I felt watching your finals against them. What's it like trying to work the ball out of the defence with that pressure on you, knowing that if I'm the one, it, it wouldn't really enter your head. Maybe you would. Better not give this away. You know, like, I mean, what's it? I can only imagine what it's like. It's it's more when you don't have the ball. That's the, it's having the courage to go and get it. Do you know, it's having right. the courage to go and get it. Have enough guys on your team. That's okay. I'm going to make that run for the kick out here. I'm going to be the man that's going to show, even though you know you're as close as this to me. So it's, you know, when you have the ball, natural instincts take over, and you will, you know, you'll try and make the right decision, and you won't give away. But it's, it's the movement to actually give the option to the guy on the ball. That's the key thing, and that's right. not moments. to hide, not to hide. And sometimes, you know, um, sometimes some guys just they hide. They're kind of thinking, oh, I don't want to be the guy that makes the mistake here, and and you know, I give away the ball, and all of a sudden it's a it's a draw game. So, um. Again, that's something that maybe Kerry, you know, they'll 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 learn from the last day. You know, the the fifteen guys playing their All Ireland final for the first time. You know, they might they might stand up the the next day if if, yeah. if the same thing happens in the next ten minutes. They've been through it because you would think they timed the run perfectly. Like you got the goal with Lee Keegan six. I think it was sixty two. Kerry went ahead in sixty six, one ahead. You'd imagine this is time to perfection because if you go yeah. ahead too early, obviously there's the tension of it, you know. But like, I mean, even after six, I think the only thing we can do is compliment Dublin on being incredible oh. champions that when their backs were to the wall and, you know, they didn't hide. And Dublin probably, you know, they're not a team that would hide. No. And like, yeah, a man up and uh, a point up. Yeah, you think, Kerry, like, but it was very easily sort of brought back down that didn't seem like Dublin had an extra man was it down in Tralee in the league game as well Dublin had a man sent off and they, they, they finished st- it yeah, really they well came yeah. back from five down or something like that so uh, like even though they do have the extra man as Chris is saying like Dublin at that stage incredible champions they were, every single one of them was hounding them like you know every time a Kerry player turned around there was two blue shirts coming streaming at them and it's very easy yeah, just to get lost in that then and not show the option and they've played those possession games like you know even if some one person isn't shown, then you're a man down yourself. Yeah, and that's what happened. With Kerry. I know it was very impressive. So kickouts, like, were you were you surprised, Chris, with the kickouts last time? We did a lot of analysis about this. Conan did a great piece, and we were talking about what Kerry would do, and they'd overload one side, and they knew the Dublin press. And as it turns out, Kerry went short as as much as possible. Like, I mean, they went short a lot more than I thought they would. I th- I think they looked under a bit of pressure when they went long. Um, I think they won very, very little of the long kick as they actually kicked, and even the ones they won, um, it looked like Dublin had more men there. So, like I think they do need to, to to mix it up a little bit. Dublin are very happy to let you get the short kick out. Yes, they will press up, but once you get it away, like they're into their zones. Like now they, you're they, getting now the you're yeah. So they're like you'll see them coming down the wing, and they're happy. They'll all show you the wing. You know they want you to go down there. Like so they have. Once you get a short kick out against them their systems are in place. So I think Kerry need to look at ways of getting it out longer, getting men around the ball and having a platform higher up the pitch with which to, 
to attack Dublin at a different area and kind of yeah. get them a little bit out of kilter. Whereas they got it out pretty well. Kerry did, in fairness to them, didn't they? Like, I mean, I don't remember any major turnovers from their kick out from the short kickouts. No, like it was it was surprising how well they did from the short kickouts. But I think Dublin probably weren't as aggressive as we might have thought they were as well. And the four Kerry forwards who were permanently there probably spooked them. And remember, they had four man markers as well, so they couldn't just. Bring everybody up. Press. See, that's what we were saying, a mistake you made, uh, Kristen, that you only left uh, Cohen and Killian up front. So you almost allowed Dublin bring all those players up into your half, whereas Kerry were leaving four up front. So Dublin, actually, they're a little bit conservative. They didn't want to do what Kerry... We, we know Kerry's press was incredibly brave and Dublin got one, two off it, but mm. Kerry did well off it as well. Um, that Dublin didn't want to move the... 12 outfield players into Kerry's half because Kerry were leaving more forwards up, you know, potentially than you, you had. Yeah, I, I didn't notice that actually. I, I thought, um, I thought Kerry, I thought Kerry dropped back a little bit. Maybe this is just off kickouts, but... Off kickouts, Kerry were going two versus four. Yeah, okay. Um, they were leaving Con and Mannion completely free and Morley and... Morley and Thomas Sullivan were moving out on whoever Dublin had on the half forward line, yeah. and they're just leaving them completely, yeah. completely free. It's bizarre to watch it. Yeah, it is. It's, it's incredibly brave. It's but brave. Yeah. Yeah. Were they doing it at the end of the match? Oh no, they gave it up in the second half. Yeah, which yeah. is, I guess, comes back to the point. You need to, you know, you need to commit to something if you're going to commit to it for the whole match. Um, and see, they got hit for that one too. Jack McCaffrey's goal came off it. And Dean Rock's point came up when Dean Rock caught a clean kick out, and Howard caught a clean yeah. kick out. They were marks. They're under all sorts Instantly, of... Instantly, yeah. If, you're, if you lose that kick out, you're in a lot yeah. of trouble, you know. But yeah. the, the Jack Barry won one at Cluxton's. They won another one off a break off Kieran Kilkenny. They got some joy off it. You mm. know what I mean? Keen Ward is of the opinion, you ha- if, that's your, if that's your tactic, you have to stick to it. Yeah. I think looking back at, you know, how, how Kerry can possibly improve on their kick out strategy the next day, I think, you know, you're right. They got the ball off short and they did work it out quite well. But there was a lot of carrying up into midfield zone. And then it was, you know, there was a slow maybe hand pass sideways to a half forward coming out and he's coming around on the loop. I think they need to look at ways of possibly getting, you know, a quicker ball into the half forward line and then, you know, a turnaround and a kick into the full forward line, which will open it up. I think there was too much, there was too much soloing up to the midfield zone, which just allows Dublin to get back into their zones. And the only, the only kick passes I can remember going into Clifford were actually from Ganey. From Ganey, yeah. Who was actually a full forward himself. So he was kicking into a man on his own. Um, a guy kind of like who ended up being double marked most of the time so it was kind of Ganey coming out somewhere between half forward and full forward line and a little dink ball in whereas I think if Carrier to get joy and open up Dublin you know if they do get the short kick outs try and get that kick pass into centre forward somewhere runners coming off him and then maybe kick pass into both Ganey and Clifford that will yeah. it'll just make Dublin think a little bit more because they're very good at getting that extra help back and especially if you're slow You'll see the ball going into Clifford, but there'll be two guys around him. Yeah, you know, they might yeah. be they might be straight around him, but he's not going to be looking to jink left and right because he knows there's no point here. You're robbing him. Peter to pay Paul. Dude, but Kerry's tactic of leaving Clifford in on his own, we saw that against G down in Killarney, mm. and then Boyle is covering one man, so now you've nobody co- covering Geeney or you know whoever James O'Donoghue that day. Yeah, and that was smart, and it looked like they were they went with that. Geeney has a, a more withdrawn role. And now you've got one on one with Clifford, and you've pulled a sweeper in on Clifford, and the other fellas have that little more bit more joy. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to who the half forwards are. Mm-hmm. Like if you have someone that can drop off um, Adrian Spillane easily, or you know a Gavin White, they're not going to be worried about them as much. So then that gives them the kind of you know it's okay now, Gavin or or um, 
They're not going to trouble the score sheet too much, you would imagine. Um, good players, but they're not the, the Stephen O'Brien's of this world. So he'll be that half back that's marking him will be happy to, to drop back in and be the extra sweeper. And yeah. probably has been told by, by Jim Gavin that, you know, do that if, if it comes if it comes to it. You know, Clifford that, is the danger. That is the important thing is to have a half forward line. I'm saying this for a long time in the show, having a half forward line that's dangerous enough that they can't drop off and they have to follow. And like I think the new prototype of half forwards are going to be a little bit like Stephen O'Brien who can work hard. Um, who from Donegal? Jamie Brennan who works hard but also is a threat. You can't drop off them but they'll put in a shift for you as well. Do you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. it was for a long time you're a scoring wing forward and you won't work. Mm-hmm. And then it moved to you're a working wing forward and you're no threat. Mm-hmm. And now the new, the new generation of wing forwards are going to be wing forwards who have to be able to do both or you're not getting your game. I hate these new wing forwards. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Conan's one of the working yeah. wing forwards. <laughs> 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 We've got another couple of years at club level, but it's interesting. Yeah, like, even putting Tommy Walsh into that bracket, the mindset changed because like one of the big things. Not only uh, should you have boys who are going to worry the defenders, but it's, yeah, it's moving the ball quickly, as Chris says. So like, why would you want to be so slow against Dublin? You're, you're not like your chances of getting past them is going to be yeah. reduced severely. And, and especially as well, another thing is that Dublin are spooked by David Moran. So they had Fenton covering David Moran for the mm. kickouts. So why not, if Dublin are spooked by David Moran, why not give it to David Moran? Like, I always find there's a serious, a, a, a complete, uh, I don't know, contradiction in these presses. I'll actually throw this to you, Chris, because you're pressing the opposition's kickout, right? You want them to go to midfield, right? Where you have a chance of winning it. Mm-hmm. But for your own kickouts, you have the same midfield and you don't want to go to it, you want to go short. Do you get me? It doesn't make much sense to me. On one side, you're forcing them to go to midfield because you might see you have an advantage there. But on the other side, you're not... There may have probably a a difference this year where you went to midfield a lot more with Henley. But it's a lot of teams. They're obsessed with going short on their side and then they're obsessed with making the opposition go long. There's a contradiction there, right? Yeah, there is. I think, yeah, you're right. We... Excuse me. We concentrated a lot on going on going longer this year um, with both Clark and Henley. You know, it doesn't matter really, really who was in goal, but it just it it you win the ball further up the pitch, um, and it's a much better platform for the attack. But I guess it's down to percentages as well. Guys think if they have the ball more often, um, then they can they can rack up more scoring chances. But um, I'd like to see. Would you ever do the stats on how many? scores come from a short kick out in contrast to how many come from a long kick out because you might gather possession from the from the short kick out so that looks good but then you might work it down the field obviously it's usually slower and then good teams like Dublin are in a defensive position and you don't get a, a score do you yeah, know what I mean I'd like to see stats on how many like okay you're <clears throat> you're retaining possession which is vital but the, the flip side of that is that the other team are going to have more bodies back. Do yeah. you know, so there has to be some sort of payoff here. Yeah, I'm not sure of the actual figures, but I know we did, like as we've highlighted before, the, the kind of possession to shot ratio of winning high up the pitch versus getting a short kick out is... Much there's, higher. There's a stark difference in it. Right. Um, but then Thank it, you. It's da- <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's down you to... Forward me on those stats. I will, I will. Um, but it's down to, I guess, it's down to the coach then to make that decision. Do we, you know, do we... You have obviously you have you have a less chance of winning the the sixty forty or the fifty fifty out in midfield, but does it does it weigh up versus that? That's the yeah, that's, yeah, that's the, the question. But that's that's getting very technical. <laughs> no, that is. We like to get technical yeah. here. We like that. And how how many? Especially are you, when I'm proven right. <laughs> how many are you conceding then as well from a 
a short kick out that's gone wrong versus the like risk of that not, yeah. not winning that's the ball in midfield sure, yeah. that you've kicked out in midfield yeah. you know, because you're still sort of set up in defence if you lose it in midfield Yeah, but you probably can see goals and like points all the time from a short kick out no it's definitely true one quick word on Fenton here um, to finish up haven't seen him being that quiet in a long time Chris like I'm sure when you're going in to play Dublin he's a huge like a, 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 a big talking point as one of the three or four you know really important Dublin players yeah, he's one of their main men. Um, probably didn't have as good a game as he has had um, the last day. Um, they'll still be keeping a, a firm eye on him. Um, he's critical, I think, in you know kickouts even for for um, for Cluxton, but also he's very good at coming off the shoulder and kind of linking play. But uh, very good at that. Do you think he was a little bit confused by having to pick up more and for kickouts? Usually, it's the other way around. Somebody's worrying about him now. He's to worry about him. So he's picking up Moran for kickouts, even though Moran's very good at them. And now suddenly he's Jack Barry picking him up. In you know, I'd say Fenton was a little bit like, just let me do my own kind of thing. Maybe you know the way mm. midfielders have little kind of egos. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, it's not then, often Fenton has a job to do on somebody else. If you get me. Yeah, and when Jack Barry is then going on a run, when Jack Barry's been picking up Fenton, does Fenton feel the responsibility to follow him then? Does it's he... a bit confused now, it is, because you see Fenton picking up Moran from kickouts and he's on him. Now Jack Barry, like you say, it goes on a run, but he's, you can't just mark Fenton from the kickout, then just abandon him because yeah. he needs, or Moran needs to be mad. I just thought that was a little bit confused from Dublin. Yeah, it definitely was. And it was probably one of the areas where Kerry set the terms. We were always worried about like you know, Dublin set the terms of engagement and Kerry reacting. This was one instance where Kerry came in and asked the questions of Dublin and they did what they wanted to do. Barry went on Fenton. Moran was going free for kickers and trying to dominate the game, going the other way. And Dublin were left trying to solve the problem. And it might be the same unless, as you say, they bring James McCarthy in or Jack McCaffrey. Yeah, bring Jack McCaffrey. Finally, oh, Tommy Walsh, we're all agreed he won't start. He made such an impact. Bring him on a little bit sooner than 55 minutes. I was amazed he didn't get more than that. I don't know, 55 minutes is 22 minutes in the, you know, with the seven minutes of injury time. Start him. We were saying for the first game, absolutely start him. It throws Dublin's matchups into disarray. Mm-hmm. Um, he had that big impact on the bench. Was that because they were a man up and he came on for Brian of Bugley and suddenly now Kerry had an extra forward, almost had an extra forward and confused Dublin. You know what I mean? Could he have that impact again? I wanted to start. I would have started him for the first game. I'm a little bit unsure what to do with it. What to do with him now? I do think the Clifford inside on his own works well. Maybe to start with, that's one of the reasons I wouldn't start. Maybe potentially start him. I think with, when Tommy Walsh is playing, there's probably a different mindset in the the Kerry players out the field, uh, yeah. and they're probably thinking I need to kick in a few high balls here. And it's very rare that you see a high ball going in that's actually landing on the money. Um, you know, it needs to be kind of a driven ball. It needs to have a bit of loft on it. You know, similar to the one David Moore on it, gave yeah. in, like that was actually right on the money. But you know, if you have him starting from from the very, um, if you have him starting, then it will change. It will alter your game plan. You could end up kicking three or four balls in that are easily Dublin are, are pretty good at dealing with high balls. Um, so you could have a case where Clifford is, is frozen out a little bit. Like they're just you're not kicking the. That's the danger. That's yeah. the danger. Yeah. So Clifford I would definitely moved out to the half forward line. It kind of after a while after Walsh coming on. You know. Yeah. Like so it does alter what they're does. doing. So um, I think they'll see how the game is going. I wouldn't be surprised if it's still 55, 60 minutes before he comes on, um, and depending on how they're going. But uh, it does alter. Like that. That their their key is is Clifford and Ganey and that kind of axis. And Stephen O'Brien and Sean O'Shea. So to alter that kind of changes how they want to play and how... It is a plan. It's pretty much a plan B. I've changed my mind a little bit on it, you know, because I do think Clifford inside causes all sorts of problems. And like we said, 
the sweeper will probably cover that and now you have a bit more freedom for the Guinea, you know, Guinea or whoever's out in front. Um, so for that reason, I've changed my mind on, on Tommy Walsh. What about you, Conan? Yeah, no, I'm probably coming at it from a more conservative viewpoint, but I just think they need the extra help around midfield for Fenton, for halfback at Kilkenny, and then to try and cover like the extra bodies to cover for Mannion and O'Callaghan because I do think... Like Dublin could put the game to bed if you're not always just a little bit cautious, but still yeah. have that bravery. They still have the four forwards, and then they can bring on Tommy Walsh. So I think they need to start with that same setup. Yeah, yeah. Okay, exactly. Right, we'll come back with Paddy Power predictions. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glen Royal on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay it was great advice yeah, it was <laughs> for you Okay, so Paddy Power predictions. Dublin are three to ten in from one to five, and Kerry were five to one the last time. Now they're ten to three, so it's pretty much three to one and one to three. Handicap is minus four. Um, Conan, I'll start with you. Where do you see? How do you see this one going? Um, I think it's going to be very tight. Like I wouldn't rule it a draw. I'm not going to back a draw. The but, draw's uh, gone in as well. I think it's ten to one. I think it was ah, forget more about it then. Yeah, I would have went for a, a bigger odd, a longer odds, but um, I think Kerry can they can beat them but they have to get everything right and like unfortunately to beat Dublin you need to keep all those men quiet who we talk about like Dublin have six seven match winners um and I, I just don't think it, it is possible to keep them quiet as Jack McCaffrey testified to you. if Jack McCaffrey's free again which I would probably advocate for from a setup point of view I think he could score more than one three um and if you try to mark him I think somebody else could make a so I think Dublin will age it just because they have too many ways to beat you yeah Dublin won't play as bad again but Kerry won't be as wasteful again like I said they should have been well up in the first half they were destroying Dublin you know so like I mean there's two ways of looking at it even though a lot of the Dublin players didn't play up to the standards you would be you know you would expect yeah I agree I think it's you know both teams can improve I think if you look at look at the coaching side as well I think nearly the most important things in a replay like your your players are one thing, but it's it's how the the coaching sides adapt and react to what happened in the first game, you know. And in the Kerry dressing room, you know, I know Donny Buckley's going to be there, who will have a huge say on what how they set up, how they change. He'll be analysing the game to within an inch of its life. So, what's he good at? He's good at, with defenders, is he? That's his reputation, is it? That's his reputation, but but Donny is, I think it's nearly a, a false. He's good at that, but he's he's an all round coach slash. He's a student of the game, I think, as well. So. In terms of analysing the opposition and trying to pick out where you can hurt them, I think that's what he's very, he's very, very good, good at as well. So I think people think, you know, Donny Buckley coach, he's on the pitch, he's doing out drills, but he has a great football mind and he's a huge asset to carry. In, and especially, you know, in a replay situation where you have to kind of sit down and think out to the box and, you know, what have we done wrong? What can we do here that will pull Dublin out of their uh, comfort zone? And I think, I think Donny will have a huge part to play. And, you know, if... Uh, just to, I suppose to answer the question before you come to me I think it will be very very I think it'll be tight again um, I think Kerry will have got that belief and I think you're right about the Dublin you know the the talk that's about them that they're unbeatable but I think you'll see that once you know once you push up to them and you match them physically then you know they're just another team that can be beaten and I think Kerry will have got a lot of confidence from that 
Um, but I, you know, I do think the the fourteen men had been lost here. Um, the fact that Dublin actually drew a game with fourteen men for forty minutes, uh, and I think that did a five point head start. Yeah, yeah. So it's I I just think that I think Dublin will have too much. I think it will be. I think it'll be close. Uh, if I was to call it, I would say a four or five point game with possibly Dublin winning by one or two into the last five minutes and possibly hit them on on the break with a couple of quick points or a goal to That's, finish it off. I think so. I think right. so. But I do think. I think Kerry will really put it up to them. That's mm. the thing. That's the great. That's the great thing about the game is that Kerry have those few forwards that could potentially, you know, yeah. cause them an awful lot of problems. Puncher always has a chance. Puncher always has a chance. And just to, even like to compare with Mayo, who've got close to them as well. You fi- like you didn't have. I don't want to be disrespectful to your forwards, but like th- sometimes you can just give it to David Clifford. He'll get you a wonder point, and you go, "Oh, lovely." You know, that, that, that we didn't have to work too hard for that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I always felt with G against Dublin, you worked bloody hard for your, for you know what I mean, for your scores against them. Would that be fair to say, Chris? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I can remember a few wonder points from Killian O'Connor or, or Andy Moran, um, at, at, you know, in a lot of the games we played them. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll, I think, come down to the last few minutes. You do have Clifford and you do have Ganey who can score points and then you have, you have Spillane coming on as well who's kicked a, kicked a good score. So you always have a puncher's chance when you can when you can match up with them. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see how it goes, but I just think I think Dublin might have it uh, in the bag at the end of the game, but it will be. I think it'll be close for 60, 65 minutes. Yeah, I'm of the same opinion. We're all agreeing with each, with each other here. I, I just think Dublin will probably be that little bit too strong. And again, just inside the four... Um, handicap, but at the same time, I I I, I could see Kerry halftime, uh, Dublin full time. Yeah, it's it's like the fourteen men is an interesting one, and I think Dublin deserves serious credit. But it's not beyond the realms of possibility that it'll happen again because it wasn't like an unlucky call, or you know they weren't screwed over. It was a Kerry man getting the better of a Dublin man, and and that that matchup could happen again, and Dublin man might struggle once more. You know, so it was Kerry who forced that situation into into fourteen men, Dublin having fourteen men. No. Dublin might be wiser to it, but they might not fall for it again. But that's like, you know, Kerry, I think, deserve credit for putting them into that position. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and I think Stephen O'Brien will go to town on Merchant if that's the matchup. But Merchant might not start. We don't know. But listen, we're only speculating <laughs> here. Um, right, we'll come back with Joe from Paddy Power. Joe, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. How are you? We thought the last show would be our last uh, preview show, but we're back again. Who's to say we won't be back again? Yeah, well, who knows? Yeah, we go back to Dublin Mead and the foreigner over potentially, <laughs> you never know. But uh, it's great to have another game anyway. I'm not, I'm not complaining. No, I don't think anybody is. So we'll start off with my um, with my bet. And I'm being a little bit pig-headed here where I'm sticking with my Kerry halftime, Dublin full-time. Yeah, you are indeed. Yeah, so I think last week we had that boosted out to ten to one. I think it was, but it's already come in now. So it it is a four to one showing on site, but we've boosted that to uh, to five to one for your own special GA error power price there. Um, and then the other bet you've gone for this week, you've you've changed allegiances from Kim O'Kud to to Kula, our, our close rivals. But you've gone from uh, Mannion to Conor Callahan for RT man of the match. So he was fifteen to two, and that's been boosted out to ten to one. Yeah. So just trust my kind of betting look that Mannion has been sensational all year and I back him for man of the match and he has maybe his quietest game of the year. Yeah, well, <laughs> well we have you covered if he's to prove you wrong again because uh, one of the what odds paddies we have there is uh, Con O'Callaghan or Paul Mannion to be man of the match is 9-2 so if you want to, to spread your bets there. Okay, and there's money back specials here again as usual. Yeah, we've just gone for something slightly different so the, this week if money back is a free bet if the game ends in a draw after 70 minutes so if the game okay. goes to extra time on selected markets uh, you'll get your stake back. 
Okay, so that's that's fair enough. And then there, you, you've mentioned the what's, what odds, Paddy. What else have you got here? Yeah, there's a, there's a few different ones in this week uh, that I just picked out. I mean, last week we spoke about Dean Rock and Sean O'Shea and they both absolutely smashed their individual targets. So this week they've been pulled together. So for Dean and Sean to score 16 points or more, that's including goals, is 11 to 4, which based on based on last weekend, they, they should have... Oh, they got 10 each last 10 each, yeah. yeah, the last day. Yeah, and that was all, all, all points. So I think that's a, that's one, certainly one to have a look at. Um, one I like there as well is any Ballymun Kickham's player to be RTE man of the match at 6 to 1. Obviously, you've got a good future choices there John Small is a former winner James McCarthy is a former winner Dean Rock had a great game the last day you never know even Philly could be sprung from the start the next day and have a great game yeah. he, he should have won one in, against Kerry in 20, uh, 2016 as well so or 2015 excuse me um, but yeah so plenty of options there at the Ballymun lads at 6-1 to one for Friend get man in the match uh, and then a few the other longer odds ones are now like the Dean Rock to score the last point and Dublin to win by a point is 40-1 to one. and then the last score to be a Kerry goal and Kerry to win by 1-3 to three points is 66 Six to one. You, we had something similar the last time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's gone out a bit further. Yeah, that was the carry to score a goal after 70 minutes, all right? But uh, yeah, that's a carry, carry goal to be the last one in the match and then to win by one to three, 66 to one. Okay, very good. And then the, there's a black card one. I think we had this the last time as well after 70 minutes. So these are the rugby tackles for yeah, kickers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the rugby tackles at the end there when it would to kill the game. Dublin are six to one to get a black card and carry are interestingly actually they're nine to two to have a black card Shorter. after 70 minutes. Yeah, they'll so. be panicking a bit more, right? Yeah, well, be, yeah, that's it. You wouldn't think carry would be the. Be the cynical ones but I suppose that's the, that's the sort of outward outward impression they try to give anyway Yeah exactly okay so the match the betting has gone in like we mentioned um, in the last part has gone in from 1 to 5 to 3 to 10 isn't that right on Kerry and 5 to 1 to sorry Kerry are 10 to 3 instead of 5 to 1 and Dublin are 3 to 10 instead of 1 to 5 yeah, exactly. So they're, they're at least somewhat more realistic. I still think if you're basing it just on last weekend's game, the odds are still fairly crazy in fairness. But I guess the, the general consensus is that Dublin have learned their lesson and they mightn't get caught the next day. I'm not, I'm not convinced myself. But yeah, Dublin are 3-10, to 10, Carrier 10-3 to 3 with the draw at 10-1. to 1. Right, OK. And anything else then inside of that? You have a few more bets there that might interest everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the to win by a certain amount of scores, the, well, either team to win by 1-4 to four or a draw is 10-11. to 11. I mean, that's been a great one over the last couple of years for us in general and like I mean the way the game at the last day it was a toss of a coin so either team to win or a draw 10 to 11 seems pretty good value to me um, and then Dublin to win by 1 to 5 points is 7 to 4 and Kerry to win by 1 to 5 points is 9 to 2 so I mean you're probably better off backing either of those if you think your team's going to win they're unlikely to win by more than 5 in fairness Yeah no that's it so the prices really improve just by 1 point there don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a, like there hasn't been a lot of change in the betting overall, but yeah, that one to five points I think for either side is is a good bet. Okay, Dublin subs versus the Kerry subs. I like this. Everyone's saying the Dublin subs are useless now; they don't have the same punch. Whereas Kerry do have the same, have a huge punch. Amazing to see somebody has a stronger bench than Dublin. Yeah, well, that's it. They, they certainly did the last day, but I mean, just the last four or five years, all you heard is about the Dublin bench, this Dublin bench, that, and then they have one kind of off day where most of them don't get on until the last ten minutes, and they're useless. Like it's funny yeah. the way things go. Jim but didn't use his bench, right? Yeah, he didn't at all. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to see if he if he totally changes the next day, or it depends on how the game's going and all that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, they're they're about five to six to beat each other, so they're they're kind of they're kind of seen as even at least in the markets there at the moment. So if the, if the Kerry subs outscore Dublin, they're five to six and vice versa is five to six. Okay, then you have first goal scorer, which is always a popular one, right? Yeah, well, that's it. All Ireland finals tend to throw up these nice bets that people get in for the first goal score and that. So Con's still favourite. He's eleven to two to get the first goal, and uh, he seemed mad for a goal the last time. He did, yeah. Well, 
pretty sure he's mad for goals every week, yeah, I suppose. True, but true. yeah, once he gets even half a sniff, he's definitely going to go for it. Um, so he's still in there at a favourite eleven to two, and just a few others that might be worth having a look at. Stephen O'Brien still ten to one. I mean, he, he didn't get on low the ball the last day, but he's still really crucial coming from deep. And Kerry seemed to be getting that extra runner at the odd times, so he could be one to look out yeah. for. And just just on that, like we mentioned on the show, I have a feeling Merchant is going to mark Stephen O'Brien, which I think is a big mistake from Dublin point of view. Yeah, it could do. It would be interesting to see what way Dublin line out. There's a lot of different permutations there about who's going to come in or out of the team and what way the defence sets up. So it will be interesting to see. Um, Jack's still there at 16-1 to for first goal. I think he'll be a bit more tightly watched the next day. Uh, Were many on him the last time? Sorry, were Manny ba- did Manny back him? I don't the last know. Time? I called it out the last day of sixteen to one. I'm yeah. not sure how many did get on him, but hopefully a few people did based on listening to this. Um, and if you want to go for one complete outsider who hit the crossbar the last day, well, it was a brilliant save. Paul Murphy's eighty to one for a first goal scorer. Fairly unlikely, but he, he nearly got in the last day. And again, if he's playing sort of a free role, yeah. you'd never know where he might pop up. Yeah. Okay. And then you have Clifford and Con for first goal scorer is three to one, and any times, uh, any time goals from them. Yeah, exactly. So if either if either of them gets the first goal, that's three to one, and if they're both to score a goal at any time, that's nine to one combined. Okay, man of the match then, which is a popular one as well. I'm on Khan at ten to one. Yes, we boosted him out from fifteen to two to ten to one. Uh, there's a few others there. I still really, I still keen on James McCarthy. I have a feeling that Michael Michael Dara might come out of the team, and James McCarthy might be pushed into midfield. Yeah. And if you give him that bit of a more freer role, and he doesn't have to tie down Sean O'Shea. I think you could see him absolutely marauding forward at, at twenty to one. He still looks good value to me. And on the Dublin side as well, Mick Fitz is thirty three to one. He's more than likely going to be marking Clifford, which is he has a good game in him that will have a big bearing on the game. He's also the man of the match winner from the replay in twenty sixteen as well against uh, against. May so he definitely has the form in the bank to uh, to push for be one of the main men on the weekend and from the Kerry side David Clifford still 10 to 1 or he was 9 to 1 for the drawn game we've Sean O'Shea at 14 to 1 he came in from 20 to 1 the last day and again Paul Murphy an outsider for goals and man of the match he's 50 to 1 like he's he's one of Kerry's biggest leaders again he could have a, he could have a huge role to play Is he man of the match in 14 in the final I think he was absolutely could have been yeah I'm not, I'm not sure off the top of my head now but at 50 to 1 he's definitely the kind of the one that no one's talking about that could could have a huge game this weekend yeah okay and then player of the year to finish up uh, Jack McCaffrey has gone way in yeah, just a few movements just from the drawing game. Obviously, it was all kind of riding nearly on the first game to see who'd get player of the year. So Jack's gone from kind of being fourth or fifth favourite on the Dublin team only to being fourth or seventh favourite. Cluxton's moved into second favourite now from kind of being an, an outsider as well. He's a 10 to 11. And kind of funnily with David Clifford, he was 8 to 1 before the drawing game. He's now come into 2 to 1 for player of the year. But he's moved for young player of the year from 1 to 5 to, to 8 to 15 because Sean O'Shea, after having a great game the last day, has come into 11 to 8. So, Bizarre. So Clifford's shortened massively for player of the year, but now he's gone out for a young player of the year. That's weird. That's just based on people betting. Because, like, I mean, how would Sean O'Shea not have gone in the same amount? Like, how, how can you be ahead in one betting but behind in another betting? Yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's a funny one, but I guess yeah, you know the, the player, the, the young player of the year, tend to be sort of handed out if Clifford gets an All Star and gets a yeah, yeah, of the year, yeah, yeah, we'll give Sean yeah, over to Sean. Yeah, you'll see yeah. how it goes. Though. Okay, listen, well that'll do. Oh, there's a Joe Brawley special there since we talked about it at the start. You're you're all over this uh, Joe Brawley controversy. Uh, of course, yeah. Was there any controversies <laughs> going? You know, we like to jump on it, but yeah, poor old Joe. I mean, uh, what a man! Any man that blows blows kisses to the crowd playing Ulster football, you have to appreciate. But uh, yeah, so obviously he's not going to be on the on the live show now on Sunday, but to manage any inter-county team in 2020 at 10 to 1 was the one that I've there's a few specials on site but that was the one I thought might be a good okay, laugh because he's loads of time on his hands now well, right well he might have lots of time on his hands and if there's an early managerial sacking next year and Broly's getting around kicking his heels you'd never know where he might turn up but uh, there's a few more inside there for a laugh anyway yeah okay brilliant stuff Joe thanks very much no bother alright we'll be back on Monday and we'll do a review show maybe it'll be our last review show but after last week you never, you'd never know it might not be our last review show we'll see right we'll talk to you then good luck 
The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acca. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened, they've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.